Hey, this is Nathan Elias and I'm one of the pastors at Good Oak Christian Center. I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are all about giving hope and healing people and believe God is going to use this word to touch your life today. So let's get started and enjoy this message. You can be seated. Genesis 1 verse 2 says that the earth became a desolate waste. I want to just take a few minutes to encourage you. When you're faced with desolation or a waste place, the best example always is what did God do and how did God behave? So when you read Genesis 1, we're familiar with it. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And when you get to verse 2, it says the earth became a desolate waste. And the original language tells us that the earth became a wasteland. And when we study biblically, we understand from the book of Job that there had been inhabitants on the earth that had been removed from the earth in a flood that took place before Noah's flood. And so when God looks at the earth, the earth has been destroyed. And it's been destroyed because the Bible tells me in the book of Ezekiel that the devil or Lucifer had been cast down from heaven, had come to the earth, and Lucifer or the devil or Satan was the music angel in heaven. And that's why in music there's always warfare. You'll find anywhere in music there is warfare. Music grabs the hearts of the young and the old. Music grabs the hearts of people in church. Believe it or not, the biggest area of arguments and fight in a church will always be in the area of music. Because it's the area of heaven that was destroyed when Lucifer said, I will exalt myself. So musically, there is always a spirit of pride that comes. Musicians always deal with pride. And they say, I will exalt myself. And God looked at Lucifer, who was the musician, and said, I didn't create you to exalt yourself. I created you to worship me. The book of Revelation says, and for his pleasure, we were created. So Lucifer was created to fill heaven with music. Therefore, it means there is no music in heaven, and it means right now the only place of worship and music that is heard in heaven is from God's people. And all other music is music that would have been perverted. And that's why music has such power and influence on our young people. So the earth becomes a desolate waste. Satan, the music angel, is on earth. God has a real challenge because you will find he places men and women in his garden. And when he puts them in his garden, we see that they're living in that garden quite contently until the enemy comes to steal from them. And you will find out that as any other human being here, if you have a garden, besides what you plant in it, there are also other things that tend to grow in the garden. How many of you found that thorns enter into the garden? So when Jesus writes to his disciples in Mark chapter 4, 
you'll find he's talking a little bit about farming and we'll begin this morning and we'll end the same subject next week. But you'll find in Mark chapter 4, verse 11, Jesus is telling them a parable that's a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. And he said, the sower sows the word, which is what Wendy was sharing. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their heart. So we sing, I am the Lord who heals you. And God touches us. And virtually immediately, we leave the building, pain comes on us again, and Satan says, it's a lie, God never healed you. So you'll find the attack of the devil is a very real attack. And that's why the Bible tells me tearing down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's why in this series we've talked about what is in your heart comes out of your mouth, and what comes out of your mouth affects your head because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks notice it says it says satan comes and takes away what the word that is sown where not in the head not in the head if you're looking for something great and intellectual you can go on the internet god doesn't deal with heads he deals with hearts and then heads you deal with your own head by renewing your mind but God deals with hearts. That's why he says, I'll take away the stony heart and give your heart a flesh. In other words, God deals with the inner man. That's why in the presence of God, people become emotional and, and they cry and they sense a presence, which is God. It's the spirit of God. Then he goes on to say this. So firstly, notice it says he steals the heart. Then verse 16, then these are days likewise that are stone on stony ground. And when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Stony means your heart has become hardened to the things of God. Stony ground. Now, it doesn't mean seed can't grow, but seed will grow amongst stones. But dealing with stony ground, the Bible says that we have to break up the fellow ground. So if you're a farmer, one of the worst things is to farm on stony ground. As with Wendy, we were driving through some farms. She said, these are beautiful farms. And I looked at her and said, I wouldn't want to farm here. She said to me, why? I said, well, to plow this, if you use a disc plow, which is a big round disc like a plate, it'll break it. And if you use another plow that looks like a fork and you have to dig it in the ground and drag it, it'll break the back off. And I said to her, I wouldn't want to plow this ground because there are too many rocks. I'd first have to get rid of the rocks. Then when you dig the plow and you don't know how, how deep down you can go until you hit rocks. And any of you, if you've ever worked somewhere and you're working on your house and it had cement down there, so you're digging away merrily and boom, you hit the cement. It's very hard to get through the cement floor because it's full of stones. Now it didn't get hard overnight, it was soft. But it got hard over a period of time. So it says these are those sown in their hearts. And, and it says, and these are those likewise stony ground who notice what happens. They receive the word. And they're so happy about it. And they receive it with gladness. God gave me a miracle. And what happens? Notice it says, but they've got no roots. They have no roots. 
There was a movie made a long time ago called Roots. Roots are really important. A strong tree has a strong root. I'm growing an avo tree at home, a Durban avocado pear. The problem with the Durban avo is the tree will fill this platform and the roots will go down as high as this prosimian arch and deeper. And the hassle with the root is that root will look for water and it'll eventually break the sewer pipe, the water pipe, it'll push the, it, that root will push this entire concrete floor up all by itself. When you go out into our drive, you'll see some tiny trees and the root is lifting up the entire driveway. Wherever you put roots down is where you grow. And there are times when you put your roots in the wrong place. When you uproot something and replant it, the chances are it dies. That's why many times, Pastor Wendy and I, she's talking about I choose you in marriage. We see people get divorced and they remarry the same kind of person they divorced. We don't say anything. We're older now. We don't want to argue. We're just like, you're going home with them. We do our best in the counseling session. But we can't control them and we go, they're marrying the same thing, same thing. And we go, oh, Jesus, why would you want to start again and remarry the same kind of person? Work with what you got and fix it. I, one of the, there was a root going down in one of our churches. So someone said to me, what did you do, pastor? I cut the top and I cut the root. I cut all the way. I did surgery into the root. Someone said, you're going to kill the tree. I said, no, I'm not going to kill this thing. It roots, the roots go far deeper. In other words, grow where you planted. Grow in the word God's given you. When you uproot yourself and replant yourself, the chances of you surviving are minimal. They're minimal. So notice it says uh, they have no root in themselves and endure for a time, for a little while. So what happens? Tribulation or trouble. And persecution arise for what? The word's sake. You have a word. You say to someone by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And what are they? Are you stupid, man? You go to that church. You hang out with those people. You sing those songs. (laughs) Trouble comes. You believe God and you prayed and you fasted. Trouble comes. And you think, God, you didn't answer my prayer. That's what we talked about last week. When they were in the middle of the storm, the disciples had just seen the food, the food multiplied. But trouble came. And they said, Jesus, you're going to let us drown? Well, what happened? They had no root. It says they'd forgotten what Jesus had done. So when you put your roots down, you have to put your roots down deep in the word of God Because when a storm hits a big tree, the roots hold that tree solid. In this city, I've seen wind tear up these massive wattle trees and bluegum trees. They're not indigenous, but I've seldom seen them pull up an oak tree. The oak trees, they rooted because the oak trees are indigenous. But I've seen them pull out other trees so that they fall over the freeways. The wind comes. And so here it says, trouble and persecution arise for the word's sake, and they stumble. Let's go on to the next verse. Now these are those that are sown amongst thorns, who when they hear the word, 
Notice it says, uh, they hear the word, let's go to the next verse. It says, what are the thorns? The cares of this world. I've got all these accounts to pay. True earth is coming up. Pick and pay is coming up. Uh, Google is coming up. (laughs) And you're worrying about paying tomorrow's bills when you're living in today. The cares of this world. The doctor said, you're not dead. You're alive. You're breathing. Amen. We worry about tomorrow's trouble. The Bible says we have enough trouble for each day. Don't worry about tomorrow. You've got enough problems for today. And sometimes we're, we're so worried about tomorrow, but tomorrow hasn't come. And if God looked after you yesterday and he looks after you today, he'll take care of your tomorrows. But then you have to go and take Prozac and antidepressants and sleeping pills because you, you're so worried and you need a psychologist. You need a psychologist. Get a cat, get a dog, talk to it. It's much cheaper. <laughs> I'm telling you, I love animals. But if you saw me with my animals, you think I'm crazy because I talk to them. I go home and the cat comes out and goes, and I talk back to it and it follows me like a dog. I'm trying to teach it tricks like a dog, not working too well. (laughs) If you're not talking on your knees, then you're going to need something to talk to. So the purpose of prayer is to talk to Jesus about the needs that we have. But notice the cares of this world and then the deceitfulness of riches. Now hear me well. You can be a millionaire today and broke tomorrow. Because riches, yeah, how many people in here say, Pastor Neva, I know what you're talking about. You can have a great job and tomorrow that job isn't there. The deceitfulness of riches. People woke up in Germany and they could load their money into a wheelbarrow being devalued overnight. Now, recently in Greece, people woke up on the Friday, their money was worth, say, 100. They woke up on the Monday, it was worth 50. The Zimbabwean dollar no longer exists. I'm officially a millionaire and a billionaire. I have notes from Zimbabwe and all kinds of places in the world that make me a multi-millionaire. And they're not even worth one dollar. They're not even worth one cent. The deceitfulness of riches. You're working so hard to get everything you need to have the holiday you wanted to have. And you die of a heart attack because you worked yourself to death. The house is already big, but you just need to make it bigger because all your neighbors are making it bigger. The car runs perfectly, and I rely on safe vehicles. The car runs perfectly, and I have vehicles that I've paid off that are 14 years old. I still drive them, keep them in perfect condition because they still drive. Why go get another one? Hallelujah. So we well, the new model. I'm telling you, sometimes the old models are better. <laughs> you can take that anywhere you like. <laughs> sometimes the old models are running a lot better. <laughs> the 
cares of this world, the desire, come on. They enter in and what do they do? They choke the word of God. And notice where the devil tries to get you, to become unfruitful. See, the word in Genesis, when the earth was without form and void, it continues to tell us how God puts everything in the earth. And then it says, when God dealt with the garden, before he dealt with the garden, he didn't deal with the garden until he made sure he had a gardener. Because God wants to ensure that when he gives you something, you take care of what he's given you. And whatever he's given you in that seed, there is the ability of multiplication and increase. So when I look at what God does, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, Hebrews 11 verse 3. In Hebrews 11 verse 3 it says this, it talks to us about how God behaved. It says, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So these glasses have a frame. So what God did was the frame he puts around his world is words. How do you frame your world? Do you frame it according to the things we've read through? And I'm going to go back to Mark. Do we frame it according to that? Do we frame it according to what the politicians say, the newspapers say, what everybody else says? Do we frame it that way? What kind of frame do you put around your world? You see, a frame can cost more than the painting. Some of you look at me real strange. An oil painting's one thing, a frame is another thing. Frames have as much value as the painting. And a good artist puts a good frame around the picture because it's the frame that draws attention to the artwork. Oh my. What do you do when you get a picture? All the pictures that you throw in the bottom of the drawer without a frame. Those are the ones you don't care about. You get a real nice one of yourself, you know, a nice pose. Look 40 years younger and all the rest of it. And when you get married, what do you do? Well, the digital stuff you trash or lose, but there are a few pictures you, you want to frame that. It's your wedding day. You're in a beautiful gown. Forget the guy. He he's just needs to be there and dress. You just tidy him up. Amen. You just tidy the guy up. That's all, all that happens to a man, man at a wedding. He just gets tidied up. Then the real work starts after you're married. It's an ongoing process. But when the bride comes down, the whole point of the photographic session is to put a beautiful frame around that dress. Because it's not just any dress. Some granny or someone sat there with shorts, these crystals, stitching them on. And then you looked at it, whether it was right, whether it... I know you think I don't know about it, but I do. I have a daughter. It has to have a bustle that you pick it up properly in the back and the veil and, 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 and. So when God looked at you and I, he's married to us. He framed the world by his words. You frame your relationships by your word. You frame your finance by your word. You frame your health by your word. You put a frame around it. What was he framing? Things 
which is seen out of things that were not made. Notice what it says. So that things, would you say it with me? So that things. Now faith is the substance of things. T-H-I-N-G-S. Things. 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 God framed the thing with his word. What did he frame? He framed what his heart saw. When you go back to Mark chapter 4, it says these are those. You say, how do I frame it? He framed it. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4 where we were. The last verse, we saw the stony ground, the thorny ground, all kinds of ground. Notice he said, back to Mark chapter 4. Amen. Verse 11, I think you had it up. No, it went down. <laughs> and he said to him, back up to verse 10 and 11, because I missed one out. Verse 20. Thanks, babe. Amen, you see. I have a voice that speaks to me all the time. <laughs> I hear voices. <laughs> we talked about thorns, thistle, stony heart. Now it says, but these are the ones, the ones, don't say a whole lot, who were sown on good ground. Remember, God frames the world with words. The word of God is the seed that is sown. And here it says, the seed gets choked up. But it says there are some who hear the word, accept the word. Oh. What are you talking about, Pastor Neff? Okay. I've driven a few cars over 300 kilometers an hour. So when I put my daughter in a car, and she was going to drive over 300 kilometers an hour, she was actually going to race against me, and she beat me by one kilometer. So that picture's in another cupboard. <laughs> I took her to the Mario Andretti Racing School. And I said to her, she stood outside the car. She said, I can't do it. And Wendy grabbed her and she said, you get in that car, you can do it. All I had to do was follow the pacemaker, who is Jesus. He set the pace, and he kept going faster. And then I just drove. Which, however he drove, I followed him. But then my daughter got out, and she beat me. What happened? Well, I'm a little older. So I've heard what to do, but I didn't quite accept what needed to be done. You have to hear it. She did exactly what the guy told her to do at the Mario Andretti school. And so she went faster than me. She's always reminding me of it. <laughs> These are those, when you hear the word and it's sown on good ground, you accept it. Say, God, this is a word for me. Now and again, if you go to my little things on Facebook and whatever, I put up a thing called a word for you. And when the word... It's a word for me. It's a miracle for you. And when you hear the word, you say, amen. That's why we say amen. That's for me. You accept it. 
then it bears fruit some 30 some 60 some 100 if the soil's stony you got to weed your garden if cares come in you got to take care of the garden because the harvest or the return is limited 30 60 and 100 but good soil is a hundredfold return he talks about four kinds of soil and out of the four kinds of soil he said there's one kind where the word gets stolen immediately immediately it says the birds of the air which speak of demon spirits come immediately you know the crows the demon spirits who come and say i know you've been in church you walk out the door tomorrow you hit the office and everything that can go wrong goes wrong and the word you received you let the day but you keep framing your world and you keep speaking about the things that are not seen as though they are and you say this is not the plan of god for me this is not the will of god for me this is the purpose god's purpose you write it up you put it on the wall put it on the back of your bathroom door put it wherever you go where you do your makeup this is the will of god this is the plan of god this is the purpose of god and you wait good warfare by the word that's given over you stand with me today amen hallelujah hallelujah a miracle for you I discovered that you have to grab a hold of what God's promised you to receive a miracle sometimes sometimes people just go whatever will be will be I don't live like that personally I don't live like that I don't believe anything will be will be I have a little thing that just says make it happen I had another t-shirt that says I'm someone because people would just say, can someone do it? I said, I'm the someone. I'll make it happen. My name's someone. There has to be an, I can do. I can do this. The Bible says, knock down, but we get up. Failed, but we get up. Says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. He gets up. He gets up. Some of you have been knocked down. Some of you have had the devil trying to steal the harvest, your field. You know what God has blessed you with today? I want to encourage you this week to go home and say, I'm grabbing what God has promised me. I'm not letting it go. He promised me a business. He promised me my children. He promised me blessing and increase. He promised me. Bear in mind, out of the four things, three of them land up being bad news. You'll find out 75% of the bad news wants to stick with you. But you need to stick with the good news. Stick with the good news. Stick with the good news. And fight that fight of faith. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a couple of things we would like you to do. Take a moment to subscribe and review this podcast. You can also help us reach more by investing today. Just go to our website www.ghcc.tv forward slash giving. The link is in the description. Thank you so much and we look forward to connecting with you soon.